All right, cool. So I'd say we just start. We're going to do uh, Chaotic Summer, uh, Saladas, and we're going to go into Atletico and Lille. Chaotic Summer, Tim. Um, the, the, we was really a tragic summer, an emotional summer. Uh, we had Celades come in. We had uh, Longoria leave. We had Marcelino leave. We had Alamani leave. We did have Maxi Gomez come in, so there was at least some good news. But I want to get your take about, you know, this, the real tragedy of Marcelino Alamani. Which to you was worse? Well, here's the thing. I have a different take on this, mm. and I think you're going to disagree. Uh, I actually think that Lim's strategy of getting out of debt, getting in the Champions League, as well as uh, having sort of an insubordinate coach over the summer, I, I don't think that uh, – I don't think it was such a disaster. Yes, it was like the best – season we've had however he he disagreed with the approach of, of Lim and given the situation of the club I think you have to just focus on one thing and that's Champions League and it's not the first time this has happened for him you know his last his last uh coaching job he got fired for the same thing kind of calling out uh, the the board of directors yeah. uh, for the media. So yeah, I no, get it. I get it. Barcelona, Real Madrid, they're kind of struggling. It's an opportunity to uh, kind of take advantage of that. Uh, you know, Valencianos are, are, are they're at the stadium and they're uh, you know there's a thousand people out there every day uh, um, protesting. But I actually think like given the the, the status of the club and and where we've been in the last ten years, it it's not a horrible decision to just focus on youngsters and uh focus on champions league so go but, ahead disagree with me both of you guys no, uh ripped me a new one for that one so so i'm not i'm not going to disagree with you completely right like i do i do agree with with some of what you said i i just think lim didn't even call marcelino to congratulate him after he won the copa del rey Right, like you can say, I want you to focus. You know, I would prefer to get in the top four than win the Copa del Rey, but to not call, to not go to Sevilla to watch the match, like these are things that are, I think, that are hurtful. It doesn't necessarily speak on the club, but I mean, I, I will say, look, I, I, I wanted Marcelino as a coach because um, he's super principled. So you knew, you know, I think the problem with Valencia in the past under Peter Lim is that they've had these like coaches that look like they're stooges, you know, whether it's the, the Nevilles um, or even the, the guy who sounds like a church, uh, the guy who's coaching Wolves now, um, Nuno uh, Santo Espiritu, they, yeah. they were either like stooges of Jorge Mendez or they were stooges of Lim. And you just kind of felt like Marcelino was a really principled guy who was not going to like play with any of that. You know, he wasn't going to deal with just like, okay, I want a Jorge Mendez left back. He was going to want the left back that he wanted. And if he didn't get him, then he was going to protest. And right. I mean, you're absolutely right. This is why he got fired. He is not a savvy guy, but he's a principled guy. And for Valencia, I wanted that. I, and we can go into this with Celades, but I mean, to me, actually the bigger tragedy other than Marcelino is Alamani. Cause you know, Alamani took this club, 
two and a half years ago. And I mean, every personnel decision he has made has been fantastic. He, he took a team that was in really dire straits and just with very little money got them back. He's also incredibly handsome. I, uh, you know, it's very just, good I looking. can't get over very how good handsome he is. You're right. Every, everything sort of switched when he, he was brought in. And I think they finally uh, relented a little bit of control to someone who knew how to uh, who knew football, right? Who knew like sporting. So I get it. I wish Marcelino, as you said, was a little more savvy with this. Uh, speaking out with the club, he had such good results. Uh, he, he sort of, I, I wish he had known how Lim was going to act. It's not like the first time Lim has um, tried to take control of, uh, you know, every decision of the club. So I, and, yeah. and this started before, this started before Marcelino, right? This started with Alemani when he, when they like, when he shot down the Rafinha decision and then Alemani almost like threatened to leave. It seemed like then, all right, Lim has had given total autonomy to Alemani then suddenly this summer over Rafinha and, and, um, and King and Lee, because uh, Peter Lim wanted King and Lee to be the, the, the star of the team, Wait, maybe rightly. Um, I, I, like, I, I, I'm almost, I kind of agree with you that you know, they should be prioritizing youth players. But that was, that was kind of where Lim, over the last two and a half years, had basically just taken a backseat and been like, okay, yeah, anything you want to do all money, I will do, except we don't have much budget. Um, but that was, and then Marcelino just basically protested that to the press. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I mean, he got, he got fired for it. Um, before we jump into Celades, uh, we do have a, a, French, a French perspective here. Alex, what are, what, yeah, what, I mean, what are your thoughts? You know, I, I don't follow Valencia day to day, but my only question for you guys is, as, a, as an outsider, you know, you just hear these stories about Peter Lim, and, and I wonder if you guys have any sense of whether he has a vision for the club, you know, a way to restore Valencia to a team that's consistently challenging for a place in La Liga below the, the top two teams, you know? Like, like to me, yeah. historically, watching Valencia, they were where Atletico, you know, was. Uh, now Sevilla seems to have moved ahead of them. I know they've had a lot of changes, you know, this year. But, but, but is Lim, you know, capable of being an owner that can, that can make this team in its rightful place in uh, Spanish football? Yeah, I mean... Is he, is he, yeah, is he the Dan Snyder of uh, Liga football? Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't know, right? Like, like I mean, is he putting I, money into the team? Is there ambition? You know, what's the, yeah, yeah. what's the goal here? I mean, the, the focus and the advertisement worldwide has been, we are going to be the team that has, and, and Peter Lim has invested a lot in this, and in the media campaign, we are going to be the team that has the best youth system in the world. So, and we want to, therefore, um, no offense to Leon, uh, but well, we want to have it. So it's, a, it's fine. Well, we, we I, I, it depends. Champions And so we want to we make sure our youth players are successful here. Because we're not going to be able to compete with Barcelona and Madrid um, through having a, a, a bigger budget. But you know, maybe if we can give our folks time, maybe the players that come through our system will have a lot of, a lot of fealty to, to Valencia and want to stay here. I mean, I think that's his model. And this really came, I mean, he has strong feelings about Kang and Lee. And I mean, and, and I think this is a good segue to talk about Salades because 
look, I, I liked Marcelino. I thought he was, uh, you know, I thought he was a good choice. I have to say last year they were playing a lot of really uninspired football and, you know, they, it was, it wasn't always uninspired. It was predictable, right? Marcelino only played a, a four, four, two, and he was always focused on the counterattack. I think you saw matches where Valencia under Marcelino beat much better teams, but you also saw Valencia really struggle to break down teams that Valencia was much better than. And, and that was one of the things that I, I kind of grew tired of watching Marcelino's Valencia. I, I, the players loved him, you know, and he made, he made a lot of the players better with his like really intense um, fitness regime, but they, they were really predictable and, and they didn't, and they didn't have a place for Kang and Lee in his formation. Kang and Lee is really like that, that traditional David Silva number 10, who is not Parejo, who's not going to be really being able to be like, a six, eight, ten. He's really like a ten, and that player doesn't have a spot under Marcelino's team. And and I think you know under Salades, like he's he's trying different formations. And I, I feel as if you know the results right now are interesting. Like I think that the football is pretty attractive. Um, we'll see what happens with the project, right? Like I think it's going to depend on who they you know. I think Almani is leaving this week who they come bring in to replace him, what type of autonomy that that guy has. Obviously, Peter Lim and Jorge Mendez should not be making the decisions for a club that's going to be a serious club. Um, so, yeah, yet to be determined. Tim, what's your take on Marcelino Celades? Yeah, I, I think I think a lot of people are thinking what I'm thinking. You know, you had Marcelino. He, he had a ton of experience in uh, La Liga. Uh he could, you know, he kind of sort of transformed the club. I think he had that autonomy for a while, at least, uh, so much so that it almost, you know, caused his demise. I look at Celades and I see, you know, from 1992-ish up until 2005. I mean, he was just a Spain, you know, youth coach. He's an assistant at Real Madrid. So I, I see a lot of inexperience. I don't yeah, see yeah, it. Yeah. There's real no La Liga experience. Uh, and so you're right. It just remains to be seen how much autonomy he'll have. Uh, it seems like they put him in place because they, um, he's on board uh, with the, you know, sort of Peter Lim mission. Um, but at the same time, he may, uh, you know, he's unproven. So he may have more, uh, I guess, opportunity to, to tweak the team a little bit. And I, and I agree with you too. I sort of grew tired of the four, four, two, um, system, just counterattacking uh, last season and, and a lot of just some, not a lot of opportunity to get forward on the ball. So, I mean, uh, I, I'm hoping there's some changes with, with Salades. I need yeah, to say I, that all that, I, that I, the only thing I know about Salades is that I've actually seen him play live a few times because he spent a year at the New York Red Bulls in one of the worst years of the club's history. And he was a <laughs> slow defender at, uh, you know, admittedly the end of his career. So yeah, 2009. Wow. wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, it you was always really want your coach to be somebody who played for the New York Red Bulls. That's like a really good sign. Yeah, uh, you get a great winning mentality for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, 
I'll just say, right, he is inexperienced, but I, I have liked them. They don't have they don't have great results since he's been the coach, but I um I think it's pretty hard to be playing in this environment where your coach your coach gets fired totally unexpectedly. You have players who are like wanting to fly to go see Peter Lim to talk to him about it. You have the sporting director leave. You have the general manager leave and have good results. Um, and the players so, aren't I mean, speaking I, to the president. They're, they're not even yeah. nodding to him in the hallways. It's not a – yeah, you're right. It's not a good – it's, it's a toxic it's environment. Toxic. And so it's, it's hard to say, okay, the results haven't been great. So Saladis is, isn't doing well. But I think the, the style has, has been pretty good. Even in that Ajax match, which understandably they lost 3-0 at home against Ajax. But they were looking really good. I mean, I thought that it was, you know, they, there was a certain point where they, they kind of gave up, but just the, and, and that has, that has less to do, I think, with Celades at this point. But I thought the, the, the offensiveness, the, the, you know, Ajax also beat Real Madrid by, by those margins last year um, and Juventus. And I think Ajax is probably just as good as they were last year. Um, so you know, I think it's I think it's hard to gauge gauge how good they will be based on a, a loss to Ajax, but I, I did think that there were actually some some promising takeaways. All right, now to what's coming up because I think we have a very tough very tough month ahead of us. Yeah, um, yeah. The next the next few days are next. very consequential. It's very consequential. So Should let's we start about, with Atletico. Yeah, let's start with Atletico. Okay. Um, fortunately, Atletico hasn't had a good run the last five games. You know, I think they have one win in five games, drew last two games. Um, I think they're like struggling to get a little bit of form going forward. Uh, Dial Felix is, is promising, but he isn't really taking over games. Uh, so I think there is, um, some opportunity to take advantage of that, but, uh, I don't know. What do, what do you guys think? Uh, so they just always struggle against Atletico. Atletico, I feel as if is just the boogeyman for, for Valencia. And I mean, going back to the Marcelino conversation, the one guy who can do this, who can do counterattack and just win by like incredibly thin margins year in and year out, game in and game out is fucking Simeone, man. Like I, I can't stand it, but like they always, I mean, you've said it, like all their games this year have been like one zero and it's been like, uh, you know, like a, a a ricochet off the right back off of a free kick like they do not you know and it's funny because I actually thought this year it was going to be different like Jao Felix I thought he was going to be like a top five player by the end of the season they look so good in the preseason but they just are they 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 are, are tough to watch but they are really ruthless against Valencia so I think it's been like I think it's been nine years since Valencia has won at um at, at Atletico, yeah. so I'm yeah. not, I'm not super optimistic. I'm excited to watch the match. I it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I I've heard that Trippier is doing well for them. I always thought Trippier was garbage. Um, I always thought he was just like a, a typical garbage like Tottenham player. Um, but I've heard, I've heard he's actually doing pretty well there. Yeah, he, he's really surprising. I always made fun of him. I, I just thought he, he could never really cut it. Now he's, you know, doing really well at Let It Go. He seems to be, like, universally uh, liked there. But you're right. I think they, they were down 2 nothing against Abar. They won 3-2. Uh, 
the last <laughs> yeah. like minute of that game. They clawed back against Aventus 2-2. So, I mean, you're right. Uh, it's going to be difficult for sure. Um, yeah, all, all I'll say is that, that uh, you know, I do think Atletico can have a tendency to get off to these slow starts just due to the intensity of Simeone's uh, physical yeah. preparation in the summer. So, you know, you, you would hope that they're not kind of kicking into full gear uh, right now after the international break. And the only other player I want to mention um, on Atletico is Thomas Partey who seems yeah. like becoming a really, really major player and I think someone to watch at the, at the European level. Yeah, yeah, he, he is good. I do think, I do think they um, – is Murata back for them? Is Murata still injured? I think it would be great if Murata is still out because Diego Costa looks old. He looks, <laughs> he looks yeah. old. I, I saw that there well, – He's um, looked old for, you know, five to seven years, you know. Yeah, I, he was 40 true. seven years ago. Yeah, uh, no, and, yeah, yeah. He but I think he's infamous time. for showing up to preseason like – 12 pounds 15 pounds overweight so maybe he's still getting into gear here yeah no you're right I did see him on the subway yesterday and he was he was <laughs> sleeping and like a couple people had put newspapers on it so but I was like whoa he's got a big match this week but yeah no, I, um, that was Diego Costa so yeah I'm not as I'm not as um I'm not super optimistic about that one but uh if they if they win then they would be tied with Atletico. Um, so that would be pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, I actually I don't think there's a ton, of, a ton of pressure on Valencia for this match um, and more pressure on Atletico. Yeah. I think where the pressure is is this Lille match. That's yes. where the pressure is. Uh, yes. if, they, if they lose Atletico and then lose at Lille, that will not be a good situation. So no. this <laughs> is why Alex is here, because I, I don't know anything really about Lille. I did some cursory you know, research. So, Alex, maybe you can give us a little bit more uh, details on what we can expect from this game. Yeah, sure. So I, I'll give you some background. Like, um, Lille is considered a really solid club in France right now. Uh, I'd say ever since the kind of mid to late 2000s, they've consistently finished towards the top of the league. They had a, they had a great year in 2011 with a team that had Aiden Hazard and Gervinho, a couple of names, and won, they won the double that league. And wow. Last year, they, I would say, pretty easily uh, got second place in the league, which is you know, kind of the trophy now in France, now that PSG sort of dominates everything. Yeah. Um, and it's a, it's a club that has a clear philosophy. Not, not everyone will, will really agree with it, but, it's, but uh, the thing to know about them is that the person that makes most of the sporting de- decisions is a person called Luis Campos, who is kind of uh, known as one of the most shrewd and sought-after sporting directors in the world. So if you remember the, the Monaco teams from 2015 and 2017 that made a big splash in France and in Europe, he was the one that put those teams together with players like Mbappe, Bernardo Silva, wow. Fabinho, you know, the list sort of goes on there. Um, and Lille managed to uh, lure him away from Monaco, and their model is basically to valorize players that in, in France it's called like a post, post-formation. Uh, so, so they'll take players that are between, you know, 19 – and 21 and really just try to make a lot of money on them, you know, like that, that's the main goal. So they'll often have a lot of turnover in the squad, but because it's a pretty well-organized setup, 
uh, they can they can still normally kind of recover and have a good league position year after year, which is why they're in the Champions League. How's their home play? I mean, are, this one's at Lille. Are they uh, are they a big home team? You know, um, they they lost to Chelsea at home. Uh, yeah, they, the match the match was pretty even. Uh, yeah, but I, yeah, I mean, I think I think Lille will struggle in the Champions League. Uh, it's a team that doesn't have a lot of experience. Last year, they were really, really organized as a counterattacking team, specifically with Nicolas Pepe, you know, really able to damage uh, their opponents on the break uh, after they'd win back possession. They had, they had their own kind of version of like the MSN or the, you know, whatever. Mm. They were, that's called the Beep, which is uh, Jonathan Bamba, Jonathan Ikone, and Pepe was there last year. Ikone is a player to watch. He, he, he recently got his call up to the full French national team, scored a goal. He's one of those players that was in the PSG youth system for a long time, but can never get any first team uh, minutes. So he went to Lille. Their goalkeeper's in the same boat. Mike Mignon is a pretty good player. Um, and yeah, I, for, for me, their best player of the season has been the Nigerian forward, Victor. Yeah, yeah. I almost picked him in our uh, in one of our side bets. Um, yeah, yeah. Signed sign from the Belgian league. Uh, has just looked really lively and I think a better finisher than a lot of people expected. So he he would definitely be a player to watch out for, especially on the break. Um, and yeah, other, otherwise solid. You know, they they do have a little bit of veteran continuity. So so Jose Font. I don't know if you remember him, but he's he's still playing for the Portuguese national team. He's probably pushing 40, but he, he kind of marshals things in the defense. Um, and, and another player to look out for, I'd say more defensive center midfielder, is a player called Bubakari Sumare, who's, who's been linked to a lot of big clubs, kind of like a, a busy player, but who can play the ball. And, and I should say that, they're, that, they, that they have had a bust in their investment this year, which has been spending $20 million on Renato Sanchez. Which is a huge oh, wow. club like we just have really not performed well at all, either in the league or in the Champions League. So, you know, it's like his sixth club at the age of twenty-two. Yeah, I mean, Gosh. I remember seeing him for Benfica, where he he really looked good, but you know, since then, unfortunately, it's it's been difficult for him. Uh, I was so bullish on him in the Euros, and then uh, yeah, you were. I remember that. I told you he's going to so be garbage. So excited for him. God, yeah, unbelievable. Guys, so I think we, we're really at the end. We need to have uh, we need to end with some predictions for these next two matches. I'll, I'll start first. I think I think uh, I'm, I'm thinking they're going to beat Atletico. They're getting Atletico at a bad moment, even though I said they never beat Atletico. They always struggle. Uh, I think they're getting Atletico at the right moment. So they're going to beat Atletico, and then they're going to tie Lille in a really fun. 3-3 three, three match. Uh, the Atletico game, of course, is going to be 1-0. Uh, but the Lille match is going to be a tie 3-3, three, three, which is actually not going to be the worst thing because Valencia is going to gonna win the, the next leg against Lille, and they'll still be in decent shape, I think. Um, and an Ajax is going to beat Chelsea, so I think Valencia still have a shot at second. Ah, I was thinking the other way around. I was thinking a 2-2 Atletico draw and then a one nothing Lille match. Oh wait, one nothing Valencia over Lille. Valencia yeah. over Lille, yeah, 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 yeah. I think okay. so. 
I think it could get uh, pretty crazy at Letico, um, and I think we can kind of shut out uh, Lille. But you're right. I mean, uh, their forwards, uh, Osiman, and the way we leak goals, it's a little, it's a little nerve wracking. But uh, I think we can, we can do a one nothing. Alex, what do you think? Yeah, I'll, I'll be optimistic. I think, I think once uh, you will have a draw, maybe a one one against Atletico, and then a, a narrow victory against Lille, one one or two one. Maybe Valencia's experience, I think will just be the, the difference in the European match. Yeah, it's a man's game. <laughs> All right. Uh, any last comments? I just want to thank Alex for, for coming on the show. Uh, you know, this was a big show. This is our first podcast since we've reached 1 million, uh, 1 million listeners. So I think it's, it's really special to have you on for, for a really important podcast. So I think we'll, we'll keep bringing you on. Uh, whenever we need a French perspective, or really uh, a proper footballing perspective, um, I think we'll, it, would, it would be helpful. Yeah, that's absolutely yeah, yeah. right. Thank you guys so much for having me, and, and hi to Peter Lim, who I'm sure is, uh, will be listening closely. <laughs> me All more. right. All right, guys. Until next week. Till next week. Thanks, guys. Yep. Yeah.